As a business leader, you know attracting top talent is just the beginning. Real growth happens when you lead yourself and others well. Creating a company culture that attracts, nurtures, and retains the best of all things. We'll teach you how to make an impact through a holistic leadership approach. Reframing success in leadership. This is the Talent Magnet Institute podcast with your host, Mike Sipple Jr. Thank you for joining us in this week's episode of the Talent Magnet Institute podcast. I have the pleasure of sitting across from Julie Bauke of the Bauke Group, Chief Career Advisor of the Bauke Group, a career blogger with LeaderCast. You can also see her work as a career expert on 700 WLW and Fox 19. Julie, thank you so much for joining us in the studio today. Glad to be here. So, Julie, you and I have had the opportunity to know each other for a very long time and uh, are very dear friends and have helped a lot of people out here in this marketplace and beyond. And one of the aspects we'd love to talk about today is stuck is a state of mind. Indeed it is. And we want to have you kind of help us unpack this. So what, yeah. what do we see with people that are leaders that are stuck and executives that are stuck and individuals, whether that's stuck personally or professionally? And what are some of the aspects that you see show up in executives' mind? You know, we, we can be stuck in a variety of ways, but it's mostly between our ears. In fact, I'd say it's all between our ears. I will often talk to people who say, I, I don't like my work anymore, or I feel like I'm not learning, or I'm not growing, or gosh, you know, the new boss, I don't think he's really liking me too much, and I don't think we're hitting it off, but I don't have any choice. They either say that or they act like that. Mm -hmm. So staying in a place or a situation in which you are no longer getting satisfaction, happiness, growth, opportunity out of it is something that is a choice. And I see it over and over again. We convince ourselves that we don't have any choices. We always have choices. You may not love them, but we always have choices. And so our response to feeling stuck generally is to put our head back down and keep going. And as I say, hope the career fairy shows up or someone shows up that will help change our situation instead of stepping back and saying, how can I take charge of this situation? How can I make change to better my life, my situation, my circumstances so I can get more, do more, be more, whatever it is you want? Mm -hmm. And where do you see the fear of moving forward personally? Take Because it sounds like what you find most are people put their head down and just march, whether yeah. they're unhappy or not, yeah. blaming their surroundings, blaming their circumstances, blaming others. Yeah. How do you get people unstuck? You know, it's interesting. Sort of my, when you think about what the thing in your life or career that you're most curious about, and for me, it's always been, why do people stay in jobs that they clearly hate or don't like? Why do people stay? And obviously, it's a complex answer. And for each of us, it's a different combination of stuff, but it's fear. It's the devil I know is better than the devil I don't. It's complacency, which I guess that's the, the devil analogy. It is lack of confidence. And what I find is a lot of times when you stay in something that you don't like, it's not a fit, your confidence just keeps going down, down, down. And it's also what I call, I don't know what I want to do, but I know it's not this. In other words, people don't know what else they would do. And after long periods of being unhappy, you can convince yourself or you're convinced by your circumstances or surroundings that you don't have any other choices. 
that literally what you have is all you'll ever get. And those voices come from inside and outside our heads, from people in our lives, from the community market, social media. But it's mostly between our ears that we have to fix it. And so I've just found that if, you know, the statistics stay the same. The number of people who are unhappy, disengaged at work is about 70%. And that number doesn't move, unfortunately. So here we are sitting in this really good job market. It's been the best job market in a long, long time. And 70% of people are still unhappy. And the reason is, I think, that they don't know what they're looking for. And so they remain stuck in something that's not a good fit. And a change of venue or change of environment to a new job or new company might feel like they're making positive change. But I see all too often people go from something bad to something else also bad for them. Bad's relative. But they don't give any thought to what they really want. Mm. And so they stay in that stuck state of mind a lot of times until the day they retire. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the perspective, and I think that living in that, if 70% of people would say I'm unengaged, we've created a culture Mm -hmm. where individuals are just okay being checked out and okay not being fully engaged in their work and maybe not even knowing what engaged feels like because they've lived their whole career unengaged, right? except for maybe those first six months where they thought they're going to take on the world and all of a sudden they started realizing that they were letting other people kind of dictate what their job was going to look like and what the culture was going to feel like versus taking ownership of it. Right. And it's really a, I just call it, you know, it's a really lack of knowing. So when you ask somebody, what is it that you want at work? What do you want out of your career? Or what do you want more of in your next job or in your career? So what are you striving toward? Very few people can answer it. But if you ask them, what do you dislike? about where you are and what you do, oh, you know, on and on and on, you know, do you have an hour? So it's an interesting, we can tell you all day what we don't like or what's not working. I'll tell you what I don't want. I'm like, I didn't know what I ask you. What do you want? It's a simple question that we ask our clients. What do you want more of and what do you want less of? And a less of, no, more of, you know, tell us what is missing where you are. And if you are in a bad place at work, I would tell you it is your fault. It's not your boss's fault. It's not the company's fault. It's not your coworker's fault. It's not your family member's fault. It's your fault. You know, there was a time a couple years ago, I remember, twice in one week, I had conversations with people who said, some variation of, I cry in the car on the way to work. Okay. So my follow-up question was, at what point did you decide that was okay? Well, it's not okay. Well, clearly it is because, you know, for the last six, nine, 12 months, you've been crying in the car on the way to work. So at some level, you've decided that's okay. Well, I didn't really have any choice. Yes, you do. And one of them is to say, I don't deserve to cry in my car on the way to work. That's not how I want to live my life. Now, what am I going to do about it? Mm. And so we settle for so much that we shouldn't. But generally, settling comes from a place of not knowing what you want and then deciding that, well, I shouldn't complain. I have a job. George down the street has been out of work for a year. And by the way, plus work is not supposed to be fun. It's why they call it work. So we have all these things stuck in our mind about why it's just why I say we survive five days to make it to two days. So we're suffering a lot of cases starting Sunday afternoon, Sunday night, 
through Friday night just to make it to almost a two-day weekend. It hurts me to hear you describe it the way that it is. This is the way that it is. And when you mentioned that people were crying, it's also important for those who don't know you yet that you serve senior executives. Well, we serve, you know what? We serve people who we say have already been successful at something. Some of our best clients, we realized, have been successful, focused, hard-charging millennials. And while generally people who are career-focused and strategic and smart about their moves have been people who naturally have risen to the senior ranks, we are also have taken a look at there are people who are headed toward those places, but they don't like the path they're on to get there, and so they want to take more charge. So in the past several months, we've really come to realize that some of our favorite clients have been people who are 28 to 30 years old, who are focused, smart, and they know that this is their responsibility. And so we are selective about who we work with because we want people who understand that a career is something that you must invest in, your time, energy, and resources, and it's all you. So people who come to us who are like, yeah, you know, I hate my job, I hate my boss, and almost have that, I want you to fix it for me sort of attitude, we stay far away from. So as a consequence, our clients are amazing. Mm -hmm. So we have phenomenal clients and past clients who come from all walks of life, all professions, all industries. And they have one thing in common is that they are determined and focused on making their work life matter mm-hmm. and matter for something. And I think, you know, when I say to people, well, you know, we work with people who really want their work life to matter. People go, yeah, I want work, my work life to matter. Well, so unpacking that for a minute, matter to who and matter how. You don't have to go feed the homeless for your work to matter. That may be your cup of tea, but it has to matter to you. So what is it that matters to you? Where do you want your impact to be and how direct do you want it to be? You could work for a medical products company. To you, that's what matters. Great. So it's not necessarily you have to work for a nonprofit, you know, feeding starving people. It's really what matters to you. Is it the arts? What is it? Is it direct service of people's healthcare? What has happened in your life that's caused you? Like Children's Hospital. They want a part of their interviewing process is always, why do you want to work here? And there's generally a personal story associated with it, that that organization helped save the life of their children, themselves, someone they care about. So why? You know, as Simon Sinek says, what's your why? You know, why do you do what you do and why do you want to do it there? And that is the first step toward really understanding because you need a mission and a purpose in your work that's bigger than yourself. But I think we get really caught up in it has to be end world hunger. No, it just has to be something that matters to you. But very few of us can say what matters to us. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And speaking from a point of that where we are can be our biggest ministry, can be our biggest outreach right where we are. So this whole perspective that in many cases, it's not always the work environment. It's the attitude that we bring in to that work environment that pulls us down, right? And maybe something didn't go our way. And instead of saying, well, I should just lean into that and be a better communicator and deal with conflict, we go, well, that wasn't right. And I'm going to step away, right? 
or individuals have a lot of responsibility in this. So yes. most organizations don't wake up every day. Nobody wakes up and says, I want to make everybody miserable. Right. But because we as humans, you know, 70% unengaged humans who just assume this is the way it has to be, yeah. they're not bringing their best and their passion into their workplace. They're trying to look outside the four walls to find where they can light up their passion and be excited to tackle Monday and to take right. on the work week. And we see a real challenge there that human beings, we need to shift our mindsets to say right where I'm at, maybe where I'm called to be. Right. And how do I make this special? And how do I serve those around me and bless those around me and work with those around me and make the world a better place? You know, being in a data analytics company, being in a manufacturer, being in a distribution center, and that starts at all levels, right? Certainly executives. We talk a lot about at the Talent Magnet Institute that your ambassadors are a equation of their experiences working with your organization. They're either a brand detractor or they're a brand positive ambassador for you. That experience comes from how we treat our people and how we lead people and how we help people find meaningful work. And then they're your mouthpiece. And is that mouthpiece a great one or is that mouthpiece a very negative one, right? Because when people leave in the type of experiences that you're describing, also as the employer, what responsibility can we take? And as the individual listening today, what responsibility can I take to make the world around me better? Because if I'm miserable, I'm probably making my entire people influence around me miserable too. Right, right. right? And you know, it's, it's an important point that you make that as an employer, if you're really thinking we need to treat people with the same level of respect when they leave us as when they started. Because we're not in a world today where anybody you hire is going to be there 30 years. And so as an employer, you're going to, the opportunity you offer is going to be a part of someone's career journey. At some point, either in a decision prompted by the employer or a decision that the employee makes on their own, they're going to depart. And I've seen a lot of times, I've seen organizations get offended when somebody leaves or consider the person disloyal. But I always say to an employer, whoever says anything like that, well, if you decided that person was no longer part of your long-term plan, you'd let them go, right? Well, yeah. I'm like, well, then is that disloyal? I mean, there comes a time when it's time to move on. And the analogy I always use is, so when we work with clients, the first thing we will say is, what do you want more of, less of? The second question is, can you get it where you are? Well, you know, I want more of this. Well, have you talked to your manager? Have you talked to anybody at work about this? Well, no. Well, why don't you start there? Because leaving an organization is traumatic. It's change in and of itself. And so, if you can't get it where you are, and there are going to be times when, certainly, when the right decision is for you to move on. And the analogy I use is, you know, there's an orange tree and there's a lemon tree. An orange cannot grow on a lemon tree and vice versa. And so if you're an orange and you found yourself on a lemon tree, you're probably not going to have a great experience. It doesn't mean you're not a delicious piece of fruit. Mm -hmm. It means that you need to go find your tribe. You need to go find a place that you can be successful. And so there are different cultures that fit us differently. And you're not going to be a fit everywhere. And you've got organizations in town who have very structured, in every city, who have very structured cultures. There's a playbook by how they operate. That's not necessarily wrong, but it may be wrong for you. And so like everything in life, this really comes back to self-awareness and self-knowledge. 
and be able to say, you know, I'm an orange and that looks like a lemon tree. I need to go check out some orange trees. And again, you know, how do you like to work? Where do you want to be? What do you want more of? And getting really into what's not working for you where you are is a great way to get unstuck. So before you can even think about getting unstuck, you have to figure out what are the factors that are contributing to you being in the place where you feel like you have no options. Until you do that, if you run out and change jobs, you're just probably running into, you're going from the firing pan into the fire Mm -hmm. because all you've done is run from something instead of to something. You have to be able to articulate what it is that you're running toward. What do you want? And we get afraid to put a stake in the ground. And then we wait until the point that we're so miserable we can't think straight. Mm -hmm. And then we're like, well, anything that's not this is what I want. Well, okay, that's just a bad strategy, really, in general, whether you're rebounding from a bad relationship or a job. You know, you don't want to take that rebound job only to say, oh, holy crap, you know, I've made a mistake. Now I'm sitting in a new job and I got to go look for another job. And so getting really clear, our model is think, plan, execute. And before you get out, I'll talk to people. They'll say, I've networked with 200 people. And I'll say, well, what are you looking to do? And they can't tell me. Like you're wasting your time and the time of those 200 people. Because what you've in essence said is, I'm going to have coffee with 200 people and hope that they can figure it out for me. And that makes no sense. And so with our clients, we say, you have to get clear on who you are and what you want. You have to put together a plan to get it. Then you start executing. Julie, I love your focus on the individual because self-awareness and self-knowledge might mean that you're the one who's toxic for the environment that you're in. Right. That you're the one who's creating conflict because of your lack of interest to get to know other people or your natural focus of the way people make you feel. And a lot of this, some of it gets as deep as into your upbringing. Right. Someone may say something that they had never had an intention to hurt you in your place of work. But because of other things and other places and experiences you've had that hurt you. And you didn't dare to have the conversation and share, may I share the reason why this bothered me? That stuff can start so early in an employer situation, employment situation, that like maybe your whole career has been toxic because of these things. And and not to blame the individual, but to say it's up to you to change the environment that you're in. In many cases, again, there are some environments that like, wow, it is really time. And wouldn't that be really exciting? And we believe at the Talent Magnet Institute and at Centennial that employers need to help employees and team members be their best. And that might mean that that isn't with you anymore, right? And it's time for them to go take on the next great opportunity. And how can you support that and facilitate that? But as an individual, when you mention joy at work, you know, the only one who can really control that is us. Right. And how we feel about the day, you know, I know, you know, everyone gets so excited about, thank God it's Friday. I always say, thank God it's Monday. Yeah. Right. I love what I do. And again, being around leaders like yourself that love what you do has been a big influence on my life. And how do we use TGIM instead of TGIF? Yeah. And changing our mindsets to force ourselves to engage. And if you don't feel you can, then do some self-reflection. And why, why is it? Nobody's making you disengaged. You're, something has happened that's caused you to become disengaged. Or it might also be you that you're just choosing the wrong options. Right. It also comes back to taking responsibility 
for our own career growth and our own career path. And Absolutely. What, what do you see there? Well, it's interesting because I'm a boomer. And I remember back in, you know, when I started in my career in my little silk floppy bow tie that the ladies wore back then, which were hideous. You do this job until we tell you you're ready for something else, and then we'll tell you what you're going to move to. In other words, the assumption was you start in a company and someone older, smarter, who makes more money than you are, you do, will tell you what's next. We're in a place right now where we have to think completely the opposite of that. We as an organization, I, when I talk to managers and leaders, I say, have you ever asked your people what would they like to have more of and less of in their job? And I think we're afraid to ask because we think if we ask it and they answer, we're obligated to provide it. Of course we aren't. You know, it's what would you like to, you know, you're thinking about your next move. You know, what would you like to have a little bit more of in your next job? Instead of what job do you want next? How about what do you want more of? Well, you know, I'd really like to have a little more customer contact. I really enjoy talking to customers about how they use our product. Great. Maybe you can put them on a cross-functional team to get that. And millennials, they expect you to ask and they expect you to follow through on your commitments. And that's not an unreasonable expectation that organizations attempt to use people in ways that they are both talented and gifted, you know, talented and what they want to do. So you can be really good at something, but not want to do it. Mm. You can really want to do something and not be good at it. Mm. So both of them have to exist. You know, I'd love to have a singing career. Well, not really, but I'm a terrible singer. You know? So that's why I keep the windows rolled up when I sing, right? I would sing, buy your right? album if you no, had No, that's, you might be the only one, you and my mom. But so... We have to understand that there aren't, especially in this day with the skills, the talent gap that we have, there's not another line of people waiting at the door. What can you do to retain and engage the people you have? Because they are in play all the time if they're on LinkedIn. Your best people, if they don't feel challenged where they are, they will be picked off on LinkedIn easily because if they get contacted on a day when you know, they've just been not listened to or not heard, or they've just had a difficult conversation where they didn't feel respected. Hey, we're all human. And they are ripe for picking. And it's your best people who leave. It's never the people you want to leave who leave. But when they do, to get back to something we were talking about earlier, you know, this whole thing about ambassadors, I think is a critical point. When it's time to part ways with someone, we chicken out. We get like, maybe I'll just be mean to them and hope they quit. Or I'll have HR handle it, and I won't have those crucial, those difficult conversations with them. And if I did, I might find out they don't want to be here anymore anyway. So how can we let someone leave this organization with dignity and respect? Mm -hmm. And I'm telling you because I've worked with people who've just been let go from organizations for so long. At the end of the day, they get it. You know, they may not like the decision, but 90% of people understand that it was a business decision. And it's how you treat them going out the door that will determine how they speak of you in the market in about nine out of 10 cases. And I am 1,000% confident when I say that. Yeah, you know, I had a great run there. I ran across a boss. We just didn't get along. It was probably time for me to move on. But you know what? They were great to me as I left. And you know what? Yeah, I would recommend them as an employer. Just not for me anymore. And that's the case in most cases. And so when you really think about how are you treating people when they leave, either voluntarily or involuntarily? Are you giving them the tools and resources and the continuation of salary and benefits and services and things to help them truly move on with respect in a way that can keep their head held high as they move forward? Because 
when you have to let someone go, there's no fault to go around. Mm-hmm. You know, it's not just the person generally. There's some organization fault generally as well. And so that's one of the things that I think organizations don't realize that really impacts their reputation in the market is how you let someone go. It reflects it. Yeah, don't go work there. I hear it all the time. I've been in this market for 20 years talking to people who've left jobs, gone to jobs, left jobs, and companies have, they have reputations. You can call it branding and call it whatever you want, but they have reputations. Don't go there. Here's why. Crazy leader, three CFOs in three years. You know, whatever it is, your organization has a reputation and it absolutely comes back to the way you treat customers, of course, and to the quality of your products and services. But it very much is about what your current and former employees say about you in the market. Mm -hmm. We're doing so much with the Talent Magnet Institute on this topic. In fact, we start here. This is really where we start because ultimately it determines how you retain, how you develop, how you onboard, who you attract, what you attract, why you attract. It all shows up in this ambassador's quadrant in our belief. Whether people are being promoted, terminated, separation, retirement, succession, people have a voice and people go to individuals and turn to people that's the first thing you do when you're researching an organization. Who do I know that used to be there? Who do I know who knows someone that used to be there? That is absolutely where we should go to ask about the real life experience. And does the perceived employment brand that they're trying to communicate align with the experience, which is the employment brand, and how we help people in their growth, change, and challenge, in their performance management inside of an organization, and allowing people to have a voice and to feel heard and caring about their personal goals as well as their professional goals and really aligning their best. You know, how do you help them during the time they're with you? How do you allow them and engage them to be their best during that time that they're with you and then helping them continue to be their best wherever their career path may take? And it's a pleasure speaking to leaders who have the pivotal points in their career where they knew it was time to move on and the employer that helped them really reach that equation. And then they move on and say, but boy, that's the best place to start your career. If you're going to start your career, go in their management trainee program or I'm so excited I'm now here and this is the best place to be at this stage of a career and tell one, tell all, then how do you get the best referrals? And, you know, one of the things that shows up is statistically to look at your organization and how many referrals are getting made by your employees to your organization. If it's zero, yeah, then that's a symptom yes. of the characteristics of your organization. And as the individual leader who's listening to this, evaluate yourself on that. Yeah. What can I do to help my organization be a talent magnet? How can I help retain and develop our best people and take action on these things? You may find even greater fulfillment than sitting on the sideline Yeah. and not encouraging that activity to take place. Yeah. You know, public accounting firms, they get it and they, they've had to, you know, because they hire so many young people and not all of them are going to stick around. And they know that they don't want them all to stick around, mm-hmm. but they know that they might likely get hired by one of their customers. And so they make it easy for them to move on when they've decided it's time to move on because they know they're going to talk about their experience working for that company and they're going to go to one of their customers. And if they treat them poorly as they leave, they're going to go to a customer and that person might have influence over who their accountant is someday. And because it's directly tied to current and future business, they got it a long time ago. 
Yeah, it's a perfect example. It is. And so I think law firms do a pretty good job of it too because of that direct connection to revenue. So what if you as an organization tried to understand that, you know, it's employee revenue, you know, sort of the talent revenue that you're going to get when you part with people in a respectful way? Mm -hmm. You know, you will get revenue that won't be as obvious, but it will be there. It's talent revenue, we'll call it. I just made that term up. You can Mm -hmm. use it. Uh, hashtag talent hashtag magnet, talent hashtag revenue, talent, talent revenue. revenue. I mean, that, that's what you get from what you put out into the market when mm-hmm. people leave your organization. Mm-hmm. And it's the same in the interviewing process, isn't it? If you treat people poorly in the interview process, they're mm-hmm. going to decide they don't want to work with you and they're going to tell their friends. Yeah. 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 That candidate experience. Yes. The organizations that get it, that get the candidate experience, are their friends, are their future customers, are their future buyers, is the same way it shows up when you care about your ambassadors yeah. and, the indiv- and your alumni. Thinking through the alumni equation, you're absolutely right. And we all need to put that in perspective as a business. But at the end of the day, businesses are led by people. Right. And as people involved in these conversations, what can we do to help our business be most appreciative and put in the best spotlight there because we cared. And we would challenge everyone who's thinking through this, ask that question of your leadership team, ask that question of your peer group. You know, what are we doing to make sure that people have the best experience while they're here and if and when they move on to their next career chapter? Right. Moving through the dynamic of the way that we view being stuck and how we get stuck, how we get unstuck. Thank you for all this great conversation we've had around this topic. Are there individuals that you ever bump into that view that I don't have options? Absolutely. I have, you know, triplets going to college next year. I don't have options. Okay. Okay. Maybe. Okay. I get it. I'm realistic. I get it. You may not have options today, but you might in two, four, six years. So what can you start doing today to move toward your what's next? Mm -hmm. It doesn't have to be this minute. You may get to the point. So don't wait until you're to the point where you're pulling your hair out to think about your what's next. The minute you start to get that Sunday afternoon kind of punch in the gut feeling that I really don't want to go to work tomorrow, gee, I hope I get the flu tonight, then that's when you have to start unpacking it and saying, what's not working for me where I am? So you can start working toward changing it. And change might not be in the cards for you today, but if you put in the work to figure out what's next, hire a coach, you know, whatever you know you need to do, to figure out what's next and how to get from where you are to where you want to be. And let's say you say, okay, I think I could start to pull this off in about two years. It is amazing how everything in your life will lift because you will have a plan. You'll have something you're working toward and you will bring actually a new energy to your life because you know you've got a plan to get out of where you are. So there's something about action, about forward motion, about being hopeful and optimistic and knowing that you have possibilities that can lift your circumstances and actually propel you toward what's next, maybe even faster than you thought. But there's not ever a person I've met who doesn't have options, who doesn't have more choices than they think they do, or or frankly, isn't better than they think they are. You know, I think we all, not all of us, but almost all of us have more self-doubt and less confidence than we should because of a variety of reasons, upbringing, you know, there's just all kinds of reasons that we suffer. But if you've been in the wrong job for a long time and you're kind of an eh performer, that doesn't mean you're an eh person. 
it just means you're maybe in the wrong job. And there's mm-hmm. definitely some place you can shine if you go after it with the right approach mm-hmm. and you commit to it. Inside your organization or outside exactly. of the new organization. You bet. Yeah. You bet. So those listening, we hope you have taken great encouragement from today's conversation. We would encourage you to reach out to the Balky Group, Talent Magnet Institute, Centennial. We want to help you get to the point organizationally and personally to live out your best each and every day and to bless those around you and to lift and not be a part of the 70% unengaged. Right. So we're our <laughs> rally cry. Julie and I have been working on this for a long time. We really want to work with leaders who want to be the change. Right. And create the instrumental impact in the lives of those around you. Yes. Julie, thank you so much for joining thank us you. today. Thank you. It's been fun, as always. I look forward to our next conversation. All righty. Thanks for joining us for this episode of the Talent Magnet Institute podcast. A toxic work culture can be costlier than you can imagine, but hard to identify. Go to talentmagnetinstitutepodcast.com slash toxic culture to learn seven signs that there's something you need to fix in your workplace. The Talent Magnet Institute podcast is powered by Centennial, a talent strategy and executive search firm, and the Talent Magnet Institute. You can engage with us at Talent Magnet I on Twitter or Talent Magnet Institute on LinkedIn and Facebook. Please communicate by using hashtag Talent Magnet. Find us in your favorite podcast app to subscribe, rate, and leave a review, as well as share with a colleague. You can also listen at talentmagnetpodcast.com. Our podcast studio is based in greater Cincinnati, Ohio. We are supported by our listeners, clients, and partners from all over the world. The Talent Magnet Institute podcast is made possible by a great team that includes Janelle Spence and Christine Lewis of Centennial, Josh Chappelle and Adam Smith of Soundpress, produced by Chris Madine of New Fidelity Studios, and Audra Casino and Megan Doherty of One Stone Creative. Music written by DJ Corbett and Chris Madine. And myself, your host, Mike Zippel Jr. Thank you for joining us on the journey of developing leaders to succeed in relationships, work, community, and life, reframing success in leadership.